Hello, and welcome to episode three of With Love From Scary Island podcast. I'm your host, Jazz, and I'm so excited to be in your car speaker or your ear holes, however you're hearing this. Hi, we are doing a Friday upload today. I am moving to Friday uploads. This was a kind of weird week, to be honest. Our office was closed last week, so just getting back into the swing of working and twerking. So again, we're going to be doing Friday uploads from here on out, so I have time to do all my things during the week, and then I'm recording this on Thursday, not that you care. So today we have a lot, a lot, a lot of Bravo news to get into, especially since I didn't do a Wednesday upload this week or Thursday upload. We'll start with pop culture news, primarily focusing on Bravo, and then move to our personal analysis of the ugly leather pants episode of Beverly Hills, since like I said, we missed it last week. With the new upload cadence, we're skipping below deck because I got ahead of myself with episode three last week. I have no idea how I was able to watch episode three early. So if you haven't heard my analysis or my recap, go ahead and pause this. Give that a listen in episode two. Then we'll move on to Real Housewives of Potomac season six premiere, which gave me life. Roni and Salem part two. Watch what happens live with Ebony and Isaac Mizrahi. Beverly Hills Ugly Sweater Aftermath and The Bachelorette featuring Monet Exchange and Shea Coulee of RuPaul's Drag Race because I've never ever watched an episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette in my life, but my life motto is I'll try anything twice. So this is number one of two. We'll round out with an excerpt from my first date's journal with another one hit wonder who I got removed from Bumble this week, best known as John Mayer. Before we get started, I want to thank the listeners that gave the pod a five-star review and give a shout out to the listeners that left a comment with their review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Rar64, who said, love it, very entertaining. Wherever you're listening, hit the follow button and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help out the pod. Follow me on Instagram at Scary Island Pod for real-life updates, and we are all aboard Scary Island, so let's dive into some pop culture news. Because there's so much going on with the episodes and the recaps today, we're going to keep this light on pop culture news. So first, we have a free Britney update. Lots of updates here. Britney's mom is filing a petition to allow Britney to choose her legal counsel, which is huge. The ACLU, which is the American Civil Liberties Union, also got involved to help Britney and Britney herself for the first time ever. Hashtag free Britney. So we know it's real. She's spoken out about how she had said before that she was fine and that Free Britney wasn't real. And now she's embracing it and hopefully um, more to come. I believe there was supposed to be a hearing yesterday. And with that, she will be getting new legal counsel, whether it's appointed by her conservatorship or with the help of the ACLU and her mother and all of us, Brittany stands. Um, I believe that's to be determined, but more to come on the weekly free Brittany updates. And then the second thing that we have to share in pop culture news is Naomi from Southern Charm in Matul. Her boyfriend, longtime boyfriend that she literally just moved to New York for, have broken up because he is, as Giselle from Potomac would say, is a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Matul was apparently cheating on Naomi with a whole slew of chicks that he's dated before and was talking to. There are apparently some messages that are slewing around. I had seen blind items on Dumois 
about this, which of course none of us wanted to believe because she literally, I think she moved to New York like a week ago. With that, we're keeping it short on pop culture news and moving into the Bravo sphere. So in the good, the bad, and the ugly leather pants, we start with Sutton and the ugly leather ugly leather pants scene and then immediately rewind to three days earlier i absolutely love when they do a rewind but i also know that you know this pivotal moment the ugly leather pants scene is gonna come in literally the last two minutes of the episode and then be followed by a to be continued dot 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 as we've seen in probably 80 percent of the housewives episodes that have run in the last you know five months or so the first housewife we see is Rinna, and she's shopping with Harry Hamlin at some bougie Whole Foods for the dinner party that they're throwing for the girls, and Lisa's lack of a storyline here is so apparent because she just has a scene at the grocery store with her husband and has a full confessional about the food that Harry Hamlin is cooking, which is great, but also like, who cares, Lisa, you don't have a storyline besides exploiting your adult children. Then we switch to a scene with Crystal and Erica at Kathy's house who are playing tennis on Kathy's tennis court without Kathy. Crystal and Erica go inside. They're talking to Kathy about Erica's newfound independence and Erica mentions that in the scene and in her confessional, she doesn't have, quote, any housekeepers or any gardeners and she's using plural that she used to have more than one gardener, more than one housekeeper, etc which is something that definitely normally would not have been featured twice, especially in literally the same scene. But Bravo is definitely playing both sides of the fence on Erica versus her FBI agents dissecting this season, which I appreciate as a viewer. Kathy in the next scene comes over to Kyle's house and proceeds to empty her entire Mary Poppins, Mr. Poppins, Hermione bag of chaos onto Kyle's dining room table and proceeds to tell Kyle that Kim has changed her number and Kyle didn't even know. So with what we know from, I believe it was news that I had last week or maybe it was episode one that Kim's tell all is being released in October. I am so curious about the bombs that she's going to drop, not only about the Real Housewives cast members, but about her sisters, Kyle and Kathy. And it seems like those jabs will be directed towards Kyle so definitely interested in seeing that and kind of getting more of an one-sided insight to their dynamic because for so long since Kim hasn't been on the show we've really been only getting Kyle's view of you know their sisterhood and their family life on the contrary to what I just said about Erica's FBI agents, um, in the following scene with Erica and Rinna, Erica brings Rinna over to get a tour of her new house that she considers a dollhouse, a tiny house, a little nothing, even though it's 2,000 square feet. Those FBI agents are looking real closely at the wall that's filled with Louboutins and other designer shoes, and I'm sure their ears perked up when Erica reminded all the viewers in her confessional that she has a New York Times bestselling book, she starred on Broadway, she has multiple shoe dazzle collaborations, she had a makeup collaboration with Too Faced Cosmetics, and she now has a signed Dolce & Gabbana coffee table book from Sutton that was signed by Mr. Dolce himself. Moving on to Miss Bouvet's, I think the segment with Garcelle and her kids this week honestly could have been skipped. I don't think it's appropriate to show teenagers expressing or making fun of one another if they're going through mental health or depressive issues. So with that, we are not going to shed that any more light and we're going to move on. 
this i thought this whole time it was supposed to be a dinner at rinna's but i guess it's a suedo luncheon for garcelle's birthday which is a nice olive branch from rinna kind of warranted i think rinna has to you know do a little bit more on that friendship but more on that to come dorit and kyle were the first to get to lisa and harry hamlin's and kyle tells harry that she had pharaoh when she was 19 which was a way to kind of indicate that that could be next for amelia and scott disick and the way harry hamlin just shuddered visibly at the thought was <laughs> i was frightened for him the best quote here came from erica when they were talking about amelia and scott disick and she says in her confessional I wish I could do her voice. I just don't have it in me right now. Guess what? We all fall in love with older men. Amelia's having a good time. I'm having a bad time. Whatever. It's life. I thought that was amazing considering everything that Erica is going through. And this was before we even hit the icing on the cake with this issue. And with that cake, Harry brings out a cake for Garcelle, which was so sweet. And you can tell that Garcelle really, really appreciated the olive branch. Once it's time for presents, Sutton makes a whole scene about not bringing a present, which is odd because she brings presents for everyone, for everything. And this whole scene that Sutton was putting on really had me thinking, does she give gifts because it's truly her love language and it's something she enjoys or... It's literally the sole purpose of flaunting her wealth. We continue with Sutton being so rude, focusing on her lipstick the entire time that Garcelle is opening these presents. Sutton is saying that she doesn't want to be there, and it's truly so narcissistic and such a display of privilege that she thinks that manners suddenly don't apply to her. They don't need to apply to her when she's in a stink, even though her tagline is literally about having manners. And Kyle's asking, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? Are you okay? Sutton's deflecting. She's acting erratic. It is so exhausting. And this is truly how Sutton is. Since at this point, Tom Hamlet had also pointed out on his stories when I was watching the day that this episode aired, Sutton probably was just a friend of during this episode because she was given a diamond towards the end of filming so was she truly making all of this fuss because she wanted to up the stakes to give herself or kind of solidify the diamond into her hands or because she truly has the emotional capacity of like a 15 year old girl once all of the ladies are over with Sutton and Kyle trying to see what's wrong. It seems like they all want to find a resolution to the conflict and Sutton just can not, as she said, let the mouse go. And the best part of this whole argument outside of Kathy asking who is hunky dory, which we'll get to in the iconic Kathy moments of the episode, is when Sutton says, what kind of crazy planet are you living on? And Crystal immediately snapped back with, not yours and refuses to apologize for saying the word violated, which I like that Crystal is standing her ground and speaking her truth. And that's when Sutton, visibly upset, gives us the iconic, jealous of what, Crystal? Your ugly leather pants. And we see in the preview for next week that Sutton comes back to the luncheon after her temper tantrum. In closing, I actually did like Crystal's leather pants. I'm a big fan of silly pants right now. That was the episode. I wanted to leave Kathy, Kathy's moments out because I felt that I would go on a tangent with all of her iconic moments. So starting from the top, here are the iconic Kathy moments of the episode. Number one, 
Kathy wearing pajamas that match her entire china set, kitchen, and living room decor. Iconic moment number two. Kathy giving a subtle plug to the Tatcha Dewey skin mist because she's, quote, dry. Number three. Kathy telling Mauricio and Kyle that they need to be careful around each other because of COVID when Kyle and Mauricio are literally married. Number four. Kathy thinking hung like a horse means that you're going horseback riding. And of course, the grand finale of it all, Kathy asking, who is Hunky Dory? The memes out of that have been amazing. Kathy is such a trooper, and I am so glad that she is a friend of the season. All right, so like I said, I got ahead of myself last week. I have absolutely no idea how my sling account was allowing me to watch episode three of Below, Met, Below, what? Below, what am I saying? Below Deck Met. Not editing that out. So we're going to skip it this week. If you want to take a listen, please pause this, go back to episode two, and come on back next week. We will be back with Below Deck Med recaps with episode four. And this brings us into Real Housewives of Potomac. I'm like smiling ear to ear right now. Season six, episode one, we're in the premiere. So when we start out, producers at least so I thought, we're asking the ladies to describe in one word what the last year was like, and Giselle says toxic, which made me think that they were referring to season five with the fighting, and it was just dark and deep, and truly, as Giselle said, toxic, but then we see clips that are going to be coming up in this season, which just looks so juicy. So I was very easily annoyed by Dr. Wendy last season, but I kind of love her and Eddie now more than ever, ever since the memes and the photos came out of Eddie taking pictures of Wendy at last reunion, which was her first reunion. It was so sweet. Eddie is so fine. And Wendy is looking absolutely beautiful this season. I don't know why we needed to see Mr. Michael Darby. I need a new name for him because I don't even like saying his name. Seeing him in the first five minutes of the episode lick his lips was cruel and unusual punishment that none of us deserve. Then we get Giselle at Candace's beautiful new 1.1, 1.2 million dollar home and Candace gives Giselle a house tour. Her house is beautiful. Um, they sit down on Candace's absolutely gigantic couch and Giselle tells Candace that her relationship with Jamal is quote not good. She blames that on the pandemic and says maybe she's going to stay single for a while. Girl, he has cheated on you with more people that there are letters in the alphabet. So I don't think it's the pandemic's fault. Sounds like we'll get more of that based on Karen. So Karen is with the Black Bill Gates, her husband. When she's decluttering her home, they get Wendy's invitation, which is the nude interlude, a dinner party at her home where they're all wearing nude. And we see Wendy's boob job. It looks absolutely amazing. She looks stunning. I loved this scene with Karen and her husband, whose name always escapes me, because it was so funny seeing him say, oh, play that back, play that back, to see more of Wendy's body, because she looks absolutely stunning. And with Wendy's confessional, we're going to start taking a tally on how many times Wendy says political commentator this season. And right now we're at one. Maybe we'll make a drinking game of it for the finale or for the reunion. So once the ladies go to Wendy's house for the nude interlude party, 
Robin and Giselle are the first to arrive separately and they see that there's a place card on the table for someone named Mia. So they're speculating and saying, who is this bitch? Who is this? It's a whole thing. Karen is the one that ends up riding with Mia. So we learn that Mia is a friend of Karen's or supposedly they probably met two weeks ago before filming and had to come up with this fake friendship storyline because it's not necessarily clear to me how they met. I don't know if I was just scrolling Instagram in the two seconds that they covered this and I missed it, but I am at a loss. So Karen and Mia get there. Mia's telling the ladies about her husband and I'm confused how she cannot get the math right on the age difference between her and her husband. First, she says the age difference is 38 years, then 30 years. The ladies are like, this math is not math in. And they finally come to the resolution that it's actually a 32-year age gap between Mia and her husband. But they sit all the ladies down. Wendy lets the ladies know that the reason she's hosting this nude interlude party and finally introduces Happy and Ness, her new implants, and they look amazing. The ladies ask her what else she's had done because it definitely looks like she's had something and she won't admit to it since she says she hasn't gotten anything else done, but it does seem like based on her post-op and just the way that her body looks now, she got either a tummy tuck or a BBL, something done to the booty, something done on her face. I don't know if it's Botox or a new facialist or a good makeup artist, the power of contour, but she is glowing and looking snatched. So the ladies are talking about getting Candace and Ashley into a better place while they're sitting at this beautiful nude interlude dinner. And Giselle comes right in and says that she cannot stand Karen, which gave us everything we needed and more for the first episode with the ladies of Potomac. Of course, another to be continued. And I'm sure we'll be dealing with the aftermath of this entire fight for probably a good portion of the season. And I am fully here for it. So similar to Kathy's iconic moments of the episode, I figured I'd wrap up Giselle's shady moments of the episode, starting with calling Candace 48 years old when Candace is very, very clearly much younger than Giselle, saying that Ray doesn't love Karen, thinking that Karen should apologize to her for talking about her family when Giselle goes around and says the word on the street is and creates rumors about all of the ladies and their families all the time. And last but not least, and I quote, I'd take a WAP box over a dry box any day of the week, honey. We are moving into Roni Salem part two. So we're still in Salem. Ramona just stood up from the table when we get back to the episode after putting herself in a situation that really shows the ladies and the audience who the heck she is. And the ladies split into groups to mediate the situation with the new school of Leah and Bershawn in Ebony's corner and the old school of Sonia and Luann in Ramona's corner. They eventually all sit down to go to dinner and Ebony says that she has something to share and Leah starts the Sahara Desert of non-existent waterworks before Ebony can even get out her commentary. Ebony shares that her grandmother passed that morning before they got on the bus. This had me thinking though, how have we only been in Salem for less than 24 hours? This trip is torturous and honestly, I don't know if it's being dragged out because of COVID or there's truly nothing that's going on 
I saw a blind item that said that the reunion is being moved because for lack of interest from the production company, I guess. This conversation goes on. Ebony and Leah decide to get tattoos and Sonia gets more drunk because Sonia does as she does. And her and Ramona with the drinks get more judgmental about tattoos. As a person with two half sleeves, I think the old school tattoo opinions were just that old school. But when Sonia was saying that her daughter Quincy and Ramona's daughter Avery would never get tattoos because they're seemingly like above it all, this has me absolutely convinced that Avery has a vag chat and that stands free of judgment. That's as Tamara Judge would say, just my opinion. At the next outing, we are finally almost hitting the 24-hour mark in Salem. So the ladies get to dinner and they're talking about what they want to drink which is completely normal when you sit down at a restaurant and Bershawn yells out at the most random time that the women are being boring and acting like grandmas. I get it. This hasn't been the last or the best, excuse me. This hasn't been the best season, but I don't understand what else they were supposed to be doing at this moment outside of looking at the menu and ordering drinks when they literally just sat down. It seemed a little uncalled for, in my opinion, especially when Ebony brought up the fact that she had just lost her grandma the day prior and Leah lost her grandma two weeks prior as we were already privy to. So this just seems very insensitive and inconsiderate of Bershawn, especially when, you know, one of the OG ladies invited her on this trip. She should kind of be like sitting back and reserving rather than coming in so hot. And all of the ladies are, you know, telling Bershawn that she's incorrect and she should apologize. So Bershawn, to the tune of Crystal Kungminkoff, gives a non-apology apology, then shushes Sonia and blames her behavior on having a lot of lawsuits. I was so lost. I wish we had an extended version of this episode so we could see how this conversation actually went down without edits because while I want to fault Bershawn for her lack of compassion, I also feel like we're missing a crucial element to this conversation, so I wanted to judge but can't fully do so. Then we get into the part that we can judge. Bershawn says, you can't ever be normal. You always want to be a clown. She's saying this to Sonia and all of the ladies are, all of the ladies have Sonia's back. Ramona's standing up for Bershawn saying, oh, well, she's my friend. She doesn't mean it. And then tries to deflect by dancing on the table in the restaurant. And I felt so bad for this dear, dear server who's trying to figure out what the hell is going on and just started randomly dancing with the ladies. That was just so cringe. And in Ramona's confessional, she said that the reason that she was doing that was to kind of make herself look like the clown. I don't really agree. I feel like Ramona probably realized that that was the wrong thing to do. And this is obviously a confessional that's in retrospect or it's retroactive. So the ladies probably told Ramona that that was wrong. And now she's trying to deflect via confessional. So Bershawn says to Leah, she says, you said, quote, the most smartest thing today. And then says that the women were talking about Leah, which really pisses Leah off. She's not having it. All of the women end up leaving the table, leaving Bershawn and Ramona as the only two women left. Sonia comes back. Sonia and Ramona are letting Bershawn know that she really messed up. Then all the ladies get back to the hotel. Bershawn comes walking through the hotel and gives the excuse that she drank too much. And Leah calls BS because she says, how are you walking in six inch heels? Totally fine. 
and Bershawn is just really continuing to dig herself a hole here. With this episode, Bershawn thought that she seized a moment to solidify her stakes in the game for an Apple next season, but she miscalculated. She tries to double down, calls Sonia a hoe, tells her to use her brain. All the ladies are like, what's wrong with being a hoe? So that insult was, again, miscalculated. Bershawn says, go twerk, show us what you can do, be the clown, and really is just digging herself a hole. And then we get it to be continued. So however this fight does continue, Bershawn clearly let her apple rot before it could even ripen. Okay, we're keeping this one short because I literally only watched five minutes of it. On Watch What Happens Live with Ebony K. Williams and Isaac Mizrahi, I love having Isaac on because you can tell that he's like a true homie of Andy's, but he really does give his opinion and doesn't hold back on how he feels about the ladies or any of the Bravo situations. So it, as I said, Ebony K. Williams and Isaac Mizrahi and Andy's parents were behind the bar, which was so sweet to see. In the episode, we had our first shady poll, which was, was it poop or makeup on Ramona's floor? And 97% of people said it was poop, which I hard agree, even though I literally missed this moment. I must have been freaking out about Bershawn or trying to figure out what was going on with this Naomi and Matul moment. In the game Witchy or Bitchy, Ebony was asked to describe if specific Roni situations were just that, witchy or bitchy, and I'm just now realizing as I'm looking at my notes that the game was called Witchy or Bitchy because they were in Salem and the Salem Witch Trials. Haha, <laughs> get it? Ebony was going above and beyond. She said Ramona was raggedy and bitchy, said girl bye, raggedy and bitchy, and that was authentic and accurate, and I loved it. And now we're moving into Beverly Hills, the ugly leather pants aftermath. So we left off with Sutton yelling the what am I jealous of crystal your ugly leather pants and I wish I could do a southern accent I just do not have it in me right now y'all all of the women go over to coddle crystal or excuse me coddle Sutton while crystal just sits there like a queen on Lisa's outdoor furniture throne Garcelle is the one that goes to talk to crystal and try to get her to back down from saying the word violated and crystal stands her ground like the strong woman that she is when she's essentially she's in a group of strangers so i so appreciate seeing her stand her ground and really being true to herself sutton after her dramatics and her fake waterworks comes back and tries to change her tune and all of a sudden says crystal's pants are cute which is so sorority girl when all the women tried to get crystal and sutton on the same page that's when crystal calls sutton an insecure awkward person and continues to refuse to apologize gives the non-apology apology they both seem to finally drop it but i personally feel like it's not over yet then after that, we move to a four days later where Kyle, Dorit, and Kathy are confirmed to have COVID and all of the ladies go into quarantine for two weeks and they all had to shoot from their phones. So thankfully, they fast forward this and they actually did this COVID quarantine filming very tastefully, which brings us to the news in all of the headlines that Tom Girardi was embezzling from his clients and plane crash victims, which we get from the trailer Dorit saying widows, orphans, and thankfully again, we move to two days later. So we're essentially out of quarantine and we get a FaceTime with Erica, Kyle, and Rinna. Erica's saying that all of the headlines are wrong. They're phony. She's crying. And time will tell. 
as we know now in real life in July 2021 because this was, you know, beginning of December, right around Christmas. Can we all appreciate that Erica's talking about this though while she's in full Mikey Minden hair and makeup glam? I just, Erica's crying, saying that she didn't do this. But now we've come to find out that her house is leased out by EJ Global in real time. So she's essentially living in her dollhouse 2,000 square foot home for free and then paying the rent back to herself. We're going to skip on over to the end of the episode. Where were Erica and Kyle meeting at the very end of this episode? Did I miss something? Was I in a TikTok K-hole? Like what is happening here? I want to feel for Erica, but she's wearing an MCM tracksuit. Her hair probably cost at least a band, and she's in Mikey Minden makeup glam. How do you get in full glam with non-waterproof mascara? Non-waterproof mascara glam when you're in such a negative emotional state. And did anyone else catch the moment of the camera that it panned to Erica mid-cry and all of a sudden the mascara stains were removed from her face and her face looked baby smooth? Like, did they refilm this? Did they do multiple takes? Was Erica trying to cry to get our sympathy? Was this real? What happened? Because that was the end of the episode, which brings us back to our iconic Kathy moments of the episode. First one being, I don't think these are in order, when Kathy's howling at the moon with her dog Sue in broad daylight, also the fact that she named her dog Sue, considering an old Saks Fifth Avenue receipt, an angel, um, we really overall got so many trailer moments in this episode, and with that, we got Kathy Hilton's life is like a poker game, and eventually, everybody's gotta show their cards. Okay, I have never watched The Bachelorette before ever 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 never watched bachelor the bachelorette bachelor in paradise i don't understand bachelor nation i honestly want to read the book to get a better grasp on it but i feel like real housewives just takes up so much of my time i was invited in the beginning of this season to a bachelorette bracket slash fantasy league with work and i just could not commit to one more show but when i saw the intro um katie the main girl is with shay coulee and Monet exchange like i said in the beginning from rupaul's drag race i was like oh i don't even care what's going on i gotta watch because i gotta see what's going down and i gotta support my girls katie is the main girl she's looking for love we're just gonna skip on over to the moment that i've been waiting for when on a group date katie says that she's bringing in two people to help her determine who her king will be the guys think that it's going to be some kind of medieval duel, which would have been so silly. But then out walks Shea Coulee and Monet exchange. They're looking beautiful and I loved their glam. Shay and Monet start reading the guys like the library is open, honey, and tell the guys that they'll be basically in a read debate to determine who's really there for Katie. Look at how that scene with the guys earlier foreshadowed perfectly. The guys were saying that Hunter, the guy that looks like a beaver squirrel, was not there for the right reasons and so this is exactly kind of their forum to speak their truth the queens were acting like mentors the way that rue does when he's in the workroom when the girls are getting ready for a challenge 
and the guys in this episode seem very prepared and who ends up going home the beaver squirrel now it's time for my first dates journal with the segment that i'm newly naming first dates journal myself and men exposed when i moved to california i started a journal that i'd write all about my first dates whether they were great fueled by Tito's sodas, I got catfished, or they were extremely cringe. In the spirit of exposing men while exposing myself, I'm paying homage to the name of this podcast with love from Scary Island by sharing these excerpts with you. As a disclaimer, the title of this segment again is a working title, First Dates Journal, Myself and Men Exposed. So let me know what you think about it. And so you know, or as you know, I modify or slightly change the guy's names or add nicknames for their privacy, but mostly because this is embarrassing for myself. I may also start doing polls on my Instagram about which ones I should talk about each week. So again, I'm plugging my Instagram to follow at Scary Island Pod. The third fellow to walk the plank off of Scary Island is John Mayer. Not only because this wasn't actually John Mayer and he got too drunk at the John Mayer concert when he took me there, but also because I got him removed from Bumble this week. Here we go, John Mayer. I moved downtown in mid-September and was ready to see what dating in the city was really all about. I matched with John Mayer on Bumble because I thought his bio was hilarious. He was tall and had a great smile. It's usually the bio over bod for me. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing that this is exactly how I wrote it. Wowee. Authenticity here people we match and are having fun banter when he tells me that he has eighth row john mayer tickets at the new place where the basketball team where i live play and asked if i wanted to go he had me at john mayer but remembering what a good time i had with this other guy from this other concert the summer prior i was obviously going to accept a concert first date we met at a bar close to the stadium venue center whatever for a couple drinks and we were really hitting it off. When we got to the venue, we got more drinks and headed to our seats. John Mayer, the artist, not the person I was going out with, was literally right there and the date was going great. A couple more drinks, I was pretty loosey-goosey, so for the next round, I told him I was gonna hold off for a bit. We grabbed pizza at the concession stand and I started to sober up, but he kept going. Oh my God, I wrote asterisk, drink emoji, asterisk. What is wrong with me? I didn't think anything of it because a it's a first date so i don't know his limits and b he is literally a foot taller than me and much larger than me c c points a and b it's getting towards the end of the concert and i was realizing how effed up he was when the concert ended he wanted to keep drinking and hit a bar but i thought it was best to end on a positive note i called an uber and he begged all caps multiple times for me to stay and keep drinking with him an important detail left out here was that this was a monday night my uber pulls up i get inside he jumps in my uber and the uber driver has to force him out by pushing him across the driver's seat to the back seat to get him out of the car once i'm home john mayer proceeds to text me over a dozen times that he could quote be normal and i should let him show me texts include and i listed all of them 1208 a.m hey sorry i was too drunk 1208 again I really like you. 12.13. I'm sorry, too much John Mayer juice. 12.17. I'm super nice. 12.18. You are what I've been looking for. 12.18 again. 
Maybe you'll give me a chance. 1224. Do you want to hang out again? 1226. I am nice, just a bit too drunk. 1227. I've been looking for a girl like you. 1232. Can we hang out again? 1236. Well, it is what it is. I'm actually crazy about you. Oh my God. Did he really say this? Sorry. This was like two years ago. Whoa. 1236 again. We should hang out again if you want to. 1239. Sorry, I wasn't perfect. 1240. I am nice, babe. 1241. I have a lot to offer. This was the 16th text at 1241 again. I just want a chance to be with someone like you. After he conveniently went to vacation in Europe and we lost touch, let's fast forward to June 2020. I posted a meme about fake news and I got a load of DMs from John Mayer. I did not know that he still followed or cared about me and he sent me all of these DMs saying, number one, that's some Hitler shit. Number two, it's popular to be uneducated though these days. Number three, but oh well, I don't care anymore. I made like 10 million on stocks in the last three months so i may just go live in the woods number four you goofed number five took you to a john mayer concert and you treated me like and then he put three laughing emojis and a clown emoji to which i replied and i posted on my story you got blackout drunk and embarrassed yourself come correct to which he replied back dm number six i've been sober for three months your life is pathetic dm number seven you need makeup or nobody would look at you and your awkward ass body and then he blocked me so bye, John Mayer, and you're welcome for getting you blocked on Bumble because on Bumble, you can hit hide and report. So I've hit and reported him before, and I said that I went on a date with him, and he made me feel really unsafe. And then Bumble just wasn't taking my hide and report seriously. So I guess the second time in a row you hide and report someone where there were probably other girls that also had to report him because he's a loser. His account has been deleted, and I got a message from Bumble that said, Hi, Jazz, we've removed John mayor from bumble for violating our community guidelines thanks for reporting them and helping keep the bumble community safe you're welcome bumble and you're welcome john mayor sorry you'll never hear my podcast because you blocked my regular instagram so you'll never see my podcast instagram and with that we close out so everyone i hope you enjoyed episode three support with a follow on instagram at scary island pod if you want to see the instagram where all these dms went down you can follow my personal at jazzrobs j-a-z-r-o-b-z if you want to support the podcast along with the instagram you can follow on spotify podcasts at with love from scary island and follow and give a five-star review on apple podcasts with the same name with love from scary island and i'll read your review aloud if you want to leave a comment so until next time we are departing from scary island see ya